Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. It sure is a Monday on episode 71 of the Gem on... Okay, who thought that Sod Poodles was a good name for a team? And I'd love to know who thought, oh yeah, Booyah would make a great sports team as well. On episode 71 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, catch up on Week 12 Playoff Football, who's playing today and tomorrow in Week 13, who won state titles, and so much more on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And I hate the fact that Sod Poodles is going to be a name for a sports team. Welcome to another installment of of the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. So as it turns out... What was supposed to be Tuesday got pushed back to Wednesday, and now it was Thursday, and the ice storm happened. And then Friday comes along, I still haven't done my podcast this week. Oi. Well, the only reasonable explanation I can give is life uh, finds a way. Enough of that Jurassic Park quote. Let's get on to episode 71, and I promise not to say as many times as I can, that Sod Poodles is the dumbest name for a sports team I've ever heard. That and Wild Blueberries. Thank God the latter never got picked. Whew. Week 12, playoff scores! And they go something like this for the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports teams. We'll start off with Division 1, Region 3. Hilliard-Davidson defeats Springfield 19-14, and Pickerington Central defeats Northmont 33-7. That's the last two Dayton teams in Division One Region Three. Now for Division One Region Four, Colerain flies over Milford forty-eight to fourteen, and Elder defeats Lakota East thirty-four to six. We jump down to Division Two Region Eight as Witten Woods keeps rolling. They take a thirty-eight to twelve decision against Little Miami, and Anderson another upset for the Redskins. They take down Troy thirty-eight to thirty-five. Division Three Region Twelve. The Alter Knights, 13, and Hamilton-Baden, 0, and Wapakoneta, 27, Fenwick, 17. To Division 4, Region 14, St. Mary's defeats Van Wart, 
Division Four Region 16, Wyoming takes care of Indian Hill in overtime, 20-17, and London defeats Clinton Massey, 28-7. Division Five Region 20, Middletown Madison rolls over Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, 50-6, and Wheelersburg, 35, Greenview, 13. Division Six Region 24, Coldwater will defeat St. Henry 20-19, and Marion Local takes Carolina Central Catholic 33-17. Division Seven Region 28 has Fort Loramie shutting out Lehman Catholic 35-0, and Crestview defeating Minster 28-14. With those results, there is one defending state champ left in the Sinday area, and that's Division Six's Marion Local Flyers. Your games that will start today, and there will be some games tomorrow. You have Hilliard-Davidson taking on Pickerington Central at Gahanna-Lincoln's Wilbur C. Straightfield. At Mason-Dwyerfield Atrium Stadium, number one Colerain battles number three Elder in Division One Region 4. Witten Woods will battle number seven Anderson in 2-8 at Lakota West Firebird Field. Number one Alter in Division Three Region Twelve takes on number two Wapakoneta at Piqua's Alexander Stadium. You'll have St. Mary's versus Clear Fork at Bell Fountain AccuSports Stadium. Your games tomorrow will be Wyoming versus London, that's number one, number six in Division Four Region Sixteen at Centerville Stadium. Number one Wheelersburg versus number two Middletown Masson at Hilliard Darby Stadium in Columbus. And at Lima Spartan Stadium, it's Fort Loramie taking on Crestview. Your college sports look like this as Dayton takes care of Moorhead State quite handily, 62-14. Number 25, Cincinnati takes care of South Florida, 35-23. Miami, they defeat Ohio, 30-28. And I believe they defeated Northern Illinois just the past day, meaning the Red Hawks only need one more win to get to bowl eligibility. Urbana ends their five-game losing streak, and they finish the year 5-6 and six and 4-6 and six in the Mountain East Conference with a 31-24 road win at Concord in West Virginia. Otterbine takes care of Wilmington, 34-24, and the Quakers finish the year 1-9, losing nine in a row and finishing 0-9 in the Ohio Athletic Conference. The lone win was to Earlham, and there's some news on those Quakers from Richmond, Indiana. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Number 19, Wittenberg, 27, Wooster, 21. The Tigers will pick up a share of the NCAC title, their 16th, but they don't get the bid because of tie-breaking situations. Denison gets that bid. Wittenberg also failed to pick up a spot in the Division Three playoffs, meaning Wittenberg will finish the year 9-1 overall and 8-1 in NCAC play. Thomas Moore finishes the year, their last year as an NCAA Division Three member, with a 63-23 loss at St. John's, Minnesota against the Johnnies. Mount St. Joseph's, they did not have a game this week. They finished the season 8-2 and 7-1 in Heartland play. Rose Hulman defeats Earlham 70-6. Quakers finish the year 0-10 and 0-8 in conference play. The fifth straight winless season for Earlham. Their last win was October 26, 2013 against Anderson 21-20. And some news we'll get on later. There will not be a 2019 football season for Earlham. The program is up in the air currently. If they do make their benchmarks 
2020 will see the return of Earlham football, but we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. And Campbellsville, 59, Cincinnati Christian, 12. CCU falls to 0-10 overall and 0-6 in River State's conference play. That's the end of the year for CCU football. Your NFL scores. Oh, boy, what a doozy that New Orleans-Cincinnati game was. 51-14, to Saints pounce and shred and tear and claw against that Bengals defense. By shred and tear, I mean someone ripping up paper. Really easy, rippable paper. That's how bad that game was. Pittsburgh, last Thursday, they took down Carolina 52-21. to A dominating performance, not only by the Steelers, also Pitt football, that'd be University of Pittsburgh Panthers. They had a big win as well. I think they scored 50s and points, something like that. Cleveland 28, Atlanta 16. That was a dandy of a win by the Browns. And Indianapolis 29, Jacksonville 26. Some other scores in sports that you need to know around here. The men's soccer championship came and went. That was a quick week. Wright State won, Milwaukee won. The Raiders advanced to the championship game on penalty kicks 4-3. And UIC won, IUPUI won where the Flames advanced on PKs 4-2. That set up Championship Saturday, where the Flames won it 3-1. A very quick goal in, what was it, the fifth minute? Put the Flames up, and i trying to think when that second goal was scored. I think like the 28th minute, that put UIC up for good. Third straight championship for the Flames. They'll take on Michigan State. And the Raiders do not get a bid into the big dance. I wasn't mad that UIC won. That's a very talented squad. And Flames really have a great program in Chicago. That's not what I'm mad about. I thought that the Raiders, with their really nice non-conference schedule, would have gotten the big dance. Of course, there's only 48, so there's only so many big draws you can do. It wasn't meant to be for the Raiders, and it made me sad. Also, in Wright State terms, the Raiders volleyball squad defeats Cleveland State, then first place Cleveland State, three sets to two, and Youngstown State, three sets to one. And those two wins and Oakland's two losses put the Raiders in the Horizon League volleyball tournament for the first time in ten years. I talked a little bit about this throughout the podcast. First year at coach Ellie Matters has done a very nice job getting the Raiders up and beyond. Very impressive to see these young batch of Raiders do so well. And the future is very, very bright. I can't wait to see what the tournament will hold for the Raiders. The volleyball tournament's at number one Green Bay. And the Raiders have Northern Kentucky. The Raiders won at home against the Norse for the first time since 2015, lost at NKU, and now they're playing on a neutral site. And the winner will go on, and I think if the Raiders win, they got number one Green Bay no matter what, because that's the lowest seed, and the lowest seed always plays the highest seed. So I had the calls for both those volleyball matches on ESPN3 for Cleveland State and ESPN Plus for Youngstown State. I thought I did a really nice job with the Cleveland State match. Youngstown State match, I don't know. I mean, people said it was a good broadcast, but still, I don't know. I wasn't 
I was much happier with the Cleveland State call compared to the Youngstown State call, and I don't have a exact reason why that was, but there you go. I got a couple more calls, and yeah, closer to 1,000, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. We still got state titles to talk about. In preseason hockey, which the regular season starts tonight, again, talk about that later, Springboro defeats Centerville 5-4. The Elks defeat Talawanda on Sunday 7-4. Columbus Academy picks up their first ever varsity win as a hockey program. They take down Mason 6-1. The Comets have brand new jerseys this year. They look very sharp. And New York Red Bulls defeat Columbus Crew 3-1. And they win and advance on an aggravate 3-1. Great year for Columbus. It's rumored that Berhalter will be the next manager of the United States men's national team. And we'll talk, you know, a little bit about that once it's finalized. And now, how about those state title updates? Your Beaver Creek Beavers win the Division I girls soccer title. They defeat Bishop Watterson 2-1 and Strongsville 4-2 in the state title match. And the Beavers finished 24 wins, 0 losses, 0 draws. Outstanding. In Division 2, it's number 6 Indian Hill defeating Big Walnut 2-1 and Bay Village Bay 1-0 for the title. And number 1 Cincinnati Country Day defeats Bishop Rosecrans out of Zanesville 7-0 and Kirkland 3-0 for the Division 3 title. In boys soccer... Moeller gets to the state title game. They defeat Olentangy Liberty 1-0 in overtime. They lose to Medina 1-0 in overtime in the title match. Runners up for the Fighting Crusaders. Summit Country Day defeats St. Francis de Sales out of Columbus 1-0. And Richfield Revere 4-0 for the D2 boys soccer title. And Dayton Christian defeats Grandview Heights 3-2. But falls to Archbold 2-1 in the state title match for D3. Congrats go out to the soccer champs and the teams that made it around here. Volleyball. Ursuline Academy in Division One defeats Olentangy Liberty in three sets and Padua Franciscan in three sets for the volleyball state title. Bishop Fenwick loses in the semifinal to Parma Heights Holy Name 3-1. Holy Name won the title in D2. They take down Bishop Hartley out of Columbus in five sets. Division 3, Versailles defeats Tuscaroras Valley 3-0 and Independence 3-0 for the D3 title. And for Division 4, New Bremen defeated Monroeville 3 sets to 2, but lost to Tiffin Calvert 3-2 in the state title game. And for cross country, your state titles in D3, Fort Loramie, and for girls in D1, Beaver Creek. Congrats go out to all the state champs and all the athletes that competed. It's great to see so many great athletes, great teams, great coaches, great fans in Southwest Ohio. And that's why I do this podcast, because I feel like sometimes these teams don't get enough representation on what they do. So that's why I started the podcast. That and also I was tired of not getting a job in the media. So I did something about it. By the way, an update on the men's soccer match. I said UIC had Michigan State. And the Spartans defeat UIC in the Flames 2-0 on a very snowy day. I look at the picture on HorizonLeague.com. I'm pretty sure UIC is used to having snow on soccer pitch 
during the latter portion of the season. It's a really snowy day. That looks that looks like a lot of fun to be not outdoors. The Spartans scored goals in the 6th and 19th minutes, and that gave the Spartans the upper hand throughout. Coach Sean Phillips, like I mentioned, he's got quite the program at UIC. He gives his compliments out to Michigan State as both the defensive and offensive side of the Spartans' ball was quite well-adjusted. The Flames do end the season, but they had a great year. They won the championship fair and square at Alumni Field, so congrats go out to the Flames. Third straight year that UIC's made the big dance in men's soccer by the way. Also, someone mentioned in the press box that UIC and Wright State seem to be, you know, always fighting for the championship in baseball and men's soccer. Men's basketball, that's two quality basketball teams as well, that in Northern Kentucky. It's like, yeah, how does that work? In women's soccer, it's Milwaukee. Uh, women's volleyball, it's Cleveland State, and Green Bay won the regular season title for the first time ever in their program history. And, yeah, women's basketball, it's Green Bay, softball, hmm, who is the top team in Horizon League softball? Well, think about that and probably talk about in episode 105 when I remembered, oh yeah, I said that in episode 71. How about some news? We'll start off with a logo change. You probably already saw it by now, FC Cincinnati, their new badge in the MLS. When I shared it, I was like, meh, it's serviceable. But now I look at it and it's okay. I, I mean, I like it. I mean, I'll probably try to scowl through FC Cincinnati clearance because I'm a cheapskate, but, you know, that's me. And there's a explanation on why they chose the logo. I'm on sportslogos.net. My choice of logo and uniform changes. There's a endorsement, I guess. So, some of my favorite things. The tail on the griffin. Would that be a griffin? Flying lion? I don't know. On the lion, we'll call it, the C, the tail shaped like a C for Cincinnati. I thought that was a nice touch. I still like the slant on the Cincinnati badge. And on the explanation graphic it says because it's on the rise the font is German inspired I don't get that one bit how's it German inspired fonts a thing it's the shape the shape of the shield is supposed to be based on the traditional pattern of a soccer ball which I'm now learning as I'm talking and recording this episode Intrabrand is responsible for making this new logo like I said I like it the lion is holding a sword because it's ready for battle. That's one of my favorite explanations. Okay, but the lion's not going to jump off the badge and battle. It's on a logo. The crown on the lion is for Cincinnati's nickname, the Queen City. Seven points on the lion's mane, which someone had to tell me the two are close to the face because I only counted five. That's based on the seven hills because there's seven hills in Cincinnati. Wing lion for a winning spirit. Okay. Three feathers on the wing for three years waiting for MOS. Okay. And 
That's about it. Compared to the old logo, the detail on this is nice. There was a lot of comparisons to... This looks like an old-school gas station logo. Like, I expect to see it and pump my gas for like 29 cents per gallon. Someone showed the 76 logo, the gas station logo, and it's like, mm, same colors. And then someone on the comments, which I know, don't read the comments. Well, actually, touching that, they're comparing on this article... They're comparing the logos for USL and MLS. Much better than the MLS. It's got a lot more detail. Whereas FC Cincinnati, eh, the outline, I, I don't know. I do I do like it. It's not my favorite logo. I'll mention that, but it works. It's serviceable. So going back to the comments, this is from three days ago from the user of the Aviator 55. They're sharing the explanation on Minneapolis City SC's logo and okay the first one is abbreviation represents Minneapolis <laughs> another abbreviation we went with SC because here in America football and soccer are not the same obviously and then there's uh oh who, grumpy cat you probably know who it is grumpy cat yeah the grumpy cat saw this logo hated it <laughs> <laughs> I love that explanation. I don't know why there needs to be, we chose this, we chose this, we chose that, we chose that. I mean, I kind of like it, but I'm a logo nerd. There was someone on Twitter saying that some of you are just so obsessed with logos. I'm guilty. I'm guilty on that. I'm not saying that it's going to affect the club or anything. It's your identity. Now, I had to look up, uh, thanks to the people I follow on Twitter. Apparently, Football Club Cincinnati, I think that's football, the squiggly S that represents two S's in the German language. I thought that was going to be the identity of Cincinnati. I thought they had a badge already picked out for that, but I guess they didn't. And apparently that's the business name, not the actual team name. And there was another, I think it was Charlie Hatch that shared, you know, don't ever call it FC or you'll be hung by your toes or something. I don't know. But going over name style or media style name. So, you know, you can call it FC Cincy. You can call it FC Cincinnati. Don't was, don't call it football club Cincinnati a thing. I don't know. I know FC, don't call it FC was a thing, but there you go. Yeah. I thought about jokingly doing one for my podcast logo. Cause you know, people would love that. I still have my logo, and it's over a year old now. Thank you, Chad Hollingsworth, for making that great logo. Looks great on a sticker, great on a t-shirt. Yeah, it looks great. So, FC Cincinnati, brand new logo, and MLS awaits. And you know, with the news of FC Cincinnati going to MLS, and the news that the Columbus crew are saying put, it means the Hell is Real series lives on. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. I still need to buy a kit of crew and a kit of FC Cincinnati and split them up and stitch them together, and there we go. I'll confuse everyone. Ha-ha! Because I'll still be a crew fan after FC Cincinnati jumps to MLS. I have no reason to jump ship fully, so there we go. So FC Cincinnati, new logo. It looks nice, especially since I can't show you on the podcast. You'll just have to look it up and take my word for it. And then go to sportslogos.net and look at that comment. 
We'll go to people getting fired and then people getting hired after they got fired. So you heard that Cincinnati got pretty much shredded with that New Orleans win. Defensive coordinator Terrell Austin lost his job. The Bengals coming in with one of the worst defenses. Still 5-3, and three, which was impressive, but one of the worst defenses. And I don't know that New Orleans game was the worst thing that the Bengals have done this year. They gave up the most amount of yardage, which would be the worst all-time in NFL, something like that. So, with Terrell Austin getting the boot out of Cincinnati, thanks for your service, but um, that's it. Coach Lewis said that he appreciates the hard work that Coach Austin has put into our football team, but I felt it was best to make a change at this point and wish him the best. By the way, this article about Cincinnati's Carousel O Coaches is from CincyJungle.com, which is an SB Nation site. I will be coordinating the defense from here on out, and Coach Lewis, great defensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers before he took the Cincinnati job. Being a head coach and a coordinator, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So, Coach Lewis hires a familiar face in Hugh Jackson. And I'm sure people have already got their fill on this. Hugh Jackson, head coach, what was it, 336-1 in his three years in Cleveland? In Cincinnati, the Bengals had one of their best years with him running the offense. Now... Right now, Hugh Jackson, he's not scheduled to be, you know, part of the offense. That's still Bill Lazor's job. He's now the assistant to the head coach, which everyone's made their office jokes, but I don't like the office. I think it's a dumb show. I know. Here comes the, oh, my God, you don't like the office. So Hugh Jackson's now part of the Bengals. I like how I just went on with that. The 53-year-old coach has history with Cincinnati and head coach Marvin Lewis. Jackson was wide receivers coach from 2004 to 2006. Head coach of the Raiders in 2010. Came back to Cincy. He was a secondary assistant, special teams coach, running backs coach, and then the offensive coordinator. So, yeah. Fun times in Cincinnati again. Still Cincinnati. Under construction since 1811. No, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. So, the team is on pace to break the 2012 Saints record for most yards allowed in the season. Also, the first team in Super Bowl era to give up at least 500 yards in three straight games. That's not good. That's what we call in the trade a weak defense. So, we'll see how Coach Lewis shapes up the defense of the Bengals. I mean, defense was the big calling card before taking the head coaching job with the Bengals, so we'll we'll see. They got Baltimore next in Baltimore, and it's a team that the Bengals handled quite easily in, what was it, week two? I mean, Pittsburgh's on a roll. I mean, with the Le'Veon Bell news and James Conner, Thank goodness I, I picked up Connor. That was the first person I picked up because I was like, yeah, Connor's going to run this ship for a while and looks like he's going to run the ship during the season. Yeah. Uh, Steelers are rolling. They got a good flow. And Cincinnati still has to go to Pittsburgh. And then they still have both their games home and home with Cleveland, which 
They're starting to play better, the Browns are. They handled Atlanta quite easily. I mean, Atlanta's biggest strength is offense, and 16 points turned in by the Falcons. Browns are looking better, too. So, as a Bengals fan, I hope they do well. I hope this adjustment helps, but putting a Band-Aid over a leaky faucet does not help, or a leaky pipe does not help. We'll see. We'll see if it's a fix. So, yeah. Bengals, coaching news. And we'll stick with football and go to much sadder news as Orem College has suspended their 2019 football season. The future for the Division Three program is in question, and this article is from the Palladium Item by Jesus Jimenez, my good friend, hopefully yours. You can visit at pal-item.com and read this article for yourself. As interim president Avis Stewart, who is a graduate of Earlham back in 1974, announced in a statement that next year's season would be suspended. And, of course, that decision isn't taken lively. Football is football. It's probably the most popular sport in the United States. Earlham has had five straight winless seasons. It's been a tough stretch for the Quakers out of Richmond, Indiana. But it doesn't mean it is the end of the program. There's a checklist on what Earlham has to do, such as if you can make this team competitive again. If you can hire a solid, qualified head coach and recruit an appropriate number of football student-athletes to field a competitive team and then determine what you need for funding and resources to sustain a successful Earlham team. That's the checklist, the three conditions, and if they're met, you'll have Earlham football back in 2020. It's been a rough go. Like I mentioned, it's been a couple years since Earlham won. It was a one-point win against Anderson and the Ravens. It's it's sad news. It's sad when, granted, Division Three, you don't get athletic scholarships. That's the big difference between Divisions 1 and 2. 1, you get scholarships. 2, you don't get as many scholarships. And 3, you can get academic scholarships, but not for playing sports. It's sad when a team is gone. It's sad when any team folds. I mean, for the people that work there, the people that actually followed the team, the players that, you know, provided the services, it's sad. It's sad news in Richmond, and I do feel bad for the Quakers. So hopefully 2020 we'll see the return of Earlham football. Going back to the article, Currently, the football team for Earlham has 42 current players, 3 seniors, 6 juniors, 16 sophomores, 17 freshmen. And Earlham will give out transfer requests that they want to play football somewhere else. <coughs> Again, read it at pal-item, pal-item.com. Jesus Jimenez wrote this article. So, Earlham College shutting the doors in the football program for at least one year. Now, the checklist I mentioned, they make it, then 2020, here comes the program again. If they don't, then I don't know. I don't know how easy it is to restart a program, you know, longer than a year's absence. We're supposed to have the Dayton demolition come back after a year, but that hasn't happened, especially since Hair Arena 
has closed up. Apparently, there is new news. Apparently, there is new and exciting news about the Hair Arena situation. Apparently, Jobs Ohio really likes the site, and they're still cleaning it up. But that's really all that the WDTN video shared. It's part of the I Love Dayton series. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, Hair Arena still, I don't see it ever opening as a hockey rink again. That's why I'm kind of hoping West Carrollton decides, hey, hockey rink, where Roberts used to be. That'd be great. That's why I'm hoping for. Will it happen? Ah, You tell me. Actually, I went by, uh, what was it, last week to see how the construction's going. Very slowly. There's no buildings that are down yet. What is this? For destruction, you have to tear down the buildings, not just rip off the siding and everything. No, I don't know. It's it started. So if you want to go see the buildings, drive by them. It's all fenced off, so good luck getting in. And don't, because that's illegal. But, yeah, if you want to see the buildings still stand, there you go. It's on East Dixie Drive by I-75. And, hey, how about those Cincinnati Reds? They sure are playing. Actually, they're loading up on coaches. And you have a hitting coach and a pitching coach. Not sure if I covered this in previous episodes yet, but for Cincinnati... Formerly of the Milwaukee Brewers, the new pitching coach is Derek Johnson. I believe I talked a little bit about this as Brewers were close to the top of the NL in pitching, and the Reds were nowhere near the top. They were towards the bottom. And now a hitting coach in Turner Ward, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, now takes the place of former hitting coach Don Long. And if you go to RedsMinorLeagues.com, this is an old article by old I mean 10 days ago about Turner Ward Dodgers did pretty well with him as the hitting coach also has experience with the Arizona Diamondbacks so we'll see how the new hitting coach will go with the new pitching coach which will go with the new manager and David Bell Jim Riggleman is no longer with the organization and the front office has been shaken up somewhat as there is only, I think, two people in the Reds' front office that have the same job. Assistant GM still goes to Sam Grossman. The president of baseball ops is still Dick Williams. However, the GM role is now Nick Kroll, who was the assistant GM the start of last season. Eric Lee, who was the senior director international ops agent, is now the senior director of player development. Reds still need to hire a minor league pitching coordinator and the senior director of international operations. Again, this is from RedsMinorLeagues.com, and this is from two days ago from my friend, hopefully yours too, Doug Gray. Does an excellent job with covering the Reds in the minor league system in the offseason and during the season as well. So new hitting coach, new pitching coach, new manager, and a shakeup of the front office. Still need some pieces to really become competitive. That starting pitching needs needs a couple strong pieces. I'm not saying who. The Reds are looking at Corey Kluber, which I found was very fascinating. Let's party. No, I don't know. I don't know why I like that picture. 
Kluber just looks serious, like, let's party. That would be a nice piece, but I don't know what the Reds would have to give up for that. I shudder to think. It's probably like at least top ten prospect, if that, you know. Cleveland's not going to be like, oh, okay, here, have him for a bucket of balls or something like that. I mean, Kluber, I think, the Indians' ace, but we'll see. Uh, James Paxton of the Seattle Mariners, his name was mentioned. Sonny Gray, I think, was mentioned in the recent article. And then I read from the same site, again, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Reds looking to add two pitchers, but maybe not two starters. Interesting. Also, there are updates to the Reds in the Dominican League that were involved in that car crash. Uh, the source of the car crash was said to be a blown tire. Raul Hernandez and Emilio Garcia, I believe they are looking to be okay. Dick Williams, the president of baseball operations, he was on the Reds' hot stove league, which is starting again with Marty and Tom Brenneman. Williams discussed the car accident. I didn't get to listen to this show, so I'm reading. You can actually listen to it. There's a link on RedsMeyerLeagues.com. This is from yesterday, the 15th. Updates on Raul Hernandez and Emilio Garcia. So, looks like both gentlemen will be okay. I hope they will. I certainly do. And now it's time for the part of the episode where everyone likes personal news. Hooray! Because that's what makes everyone, you know, stay for the podcast. And I can't believe Sod Poodles is a name for a team. Why is it a name for a team? I guess that'll be the last closing part. Yours truly has a couple big milestone announcements to make. Currently, I have broadcasted 996 times. That's a lot. I have a broadcast tonight to start off the regular season of Ohio High School hockey, ice hockey. And it'll be Centerville taking on the St. Xavier Bombers. We'll start at 7 on YouTube and follow me along on social media for the link to watch it. Hope you join me. I love broadcasting hockey and I love the hockey family that I've come to know and love over the past few seasons. Centerville St. X, that'll be a great game. And I'm very excited to see what first year head coach Aaron Quick can do with this Elk squad. Very veteran laced. Centerville squad. I think we can make some noise this year in the Red Division, but as always, Elder and St. X, the Cincinnati teams are the muscle hockey emoji. Muscle hockey emoji. The muscle emoji. I've been talking a lot of emojis. What's wrong with me? Anyway, the two strongest teams, alt, um, excuse me, Elder and St. X, Alters reloaded. They got a youthful core, but never count out the Knights. Talawanda's back in the Red Division. Last year, Talawanda only lost to the Cincinnati squads. They clean-swept the rest of the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. Except Elder and St. X. It's going to be a fun year, and I can't wait. So, 1,000 broadcasts I do tonight. That make 997. And next week, I'm scheduled to do the Frozen Creek Tournament. And that will give me 1,000 in that last game. 
Incidentally, last year I reached 900 broadcasts on a Beaver Creek hockey game at South Metro Sports. Funny that. I think Beaver Creek... Beaver Creek plays that last match. I can't remember. We'll talk a little bit Frozen Creek next week for our Thanksgiving week episode. I don't know if I'm going to make it special or not. I should, actually. Ideas. And maybe I can do this episode on a Monday instead of, you know, Friday, because... Life uh, uh, finds a way. You know, another Jeff Goldblum quote for your entertainment, I guess. So yours truly will reach 1,000 broadcasts next week. I'm pretty pumped for that. Also, yours truly will be the public address announcer for the regional final game at Centerville Stadium, Wyoming and London. If you remember, that'll be at 7 o'clock tomorrow this will be my third ever football game on pa I did a high school game last year, my first high school football game at Milford, and the spotters really made it easy. Spotters did an excellent job, and spotters don't get enough credit, let's be honest. I mean, I talk in a mic, and that's all I do. Spotters help out saying who did what and who made the stop. I, I hope I do a good job. Like I mentioned, it's Wyoming and London, two, well, you know, two schools I've never seen in person before. Wyoming, by the way, that's playoff win for Week 12. That's the Cowboys' four, that's the Cowboys' 700 win as a program. That's outstanding. Congrats go out to Wyoming High School. Their football program's always been solid. I mean, strong. So... Getting a chance to see Wyoming and seeing London, who took down Clinton Massey last week. It'll be a lot of fun. Cowboys and Red Raiders. Sounds like Texas Tech went to battle Dallas. Can Texas Tech beat the Dallas... No, I'm not going to start that. So yours truly gets a football playoff game to announce. And next week is episode 72 of the podcast, which... Ups my mark of 71 this week that's somehow released on a Friday. I'm still mad about that. I'm sorry, folks. It's it's my fault. I didn't mean to have it stretched that far, but there you go. So, yeah, I'm close to a 1,000 broadcasts, and I get to PA a football match. I'm excited. So, hopefully, join me along social media at the lead W. Mallon. And now time for the old man yells a cloud scene of this podcast. So you might have overheard Sod Poodles. I think that name is stupid. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. I also don't like Trash Pandas. I do not like... <laughs> There's a lot of these names that are popping up. I'm just like, why? Oh, because it's unique and I'll get people in. So, in the, what is it, the Northwoods League, the Green Bay Bullfrogs, which, that's a pretty cool name, Bullfrogs. It's, you know, not common. It's now the Green Bay Booyah. What is that mess about? Why? I, someone kept saying that whoever's the broadcaster for or against Green Bay would have a highlight wheel like that, but that's just gimmicky. Come on. Yeah, the Booyah. Yeah, Booyah won. Woo. Continuing on with the old man yells at Cloud. Sod Poodles. Really? 
what is a sod poodle? Why did you pick that? I mentioned earlier the main mariners were leaning on the wild blueberries name, and I am so happy they didn't go with that. But you might make the counter-argument, oh, but Mariners are used all over the place. I can name the Seattle Mariners, the Maine Mariners. I feel like I could name a third team. Grand Lake Mariners. Uh, that's... Locally, there's not that many Mariners, of course, because there's really no water. But, I mean, Grand Lake, but that's, you know, Salina and Grand Lake, St. Mary's. I can't really think of any other Mariner teams. I know there's probably more that I'm forgetting, but... I don't like the obsession with changing the food names, too. Like, Jacksonville. They were the Suns. That logo was cool. And the Suns, that's a pretty cool name. That's not used as much. I mean, you got the Phoenix Suns, the NBA, but... Then you change it to Jumbo Shrimp. Why are we naming teams after food now? Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Do better. You can think of ways to get butts in seats that aren't like, oh, let's name our team the ha-ha-has, or the lols, or the oh my god, no ways. So yeah, I, I might be the old man yelling at the cloud, but some of these team names are just... I get changing names that are offensive to group of people. I mean, Redskins name, I... I'm on the fence on where that needs to be changed or not. I get that. Changing a name just so, oh, well, we got the Booyah in town. Would you like to go see the Booyah? How about the Sod Poodles? What about what about the Baby Cakes? Well, New Orleans is moving to Wichita, is it? So Wichita is going to have affiliated baseball once again. I think that's next season, 2020, not this upcoming season. Why do we have to name sports teams stupid, ridiculous names? Cut it out. You know, when I was a kid, I always thought the Bengals name for Cincinnati wasn't based on, you know, the team back in the 30s. But, you know, we have Cincinnati Zoo. Look at these Bengals. They're the coolest animal. Bengals. That's why I love it. Booyah. What's the, what's the, what's the tie-in to Green Bay, Wisconsin? Granted, I've never been to Wisconsin. But I can pretty much bet my life savings that there isn't a booyah connection to Green Bay. Why are we doing this? Stop it. Name it something respectable. Something that ties into the community. That should be the first thing. Tie to the community. Can't do that? Okay, then pick something that's identifiable. Which, yeah, you're going to go, but Booyah's identifiable because no one's got that name. I can guarantee it. Well, yeah, but... <sighs> Stop naming teams stupid names. I can name I can name a team, you know, the people that hit balls to left field, you know? Oh, well, no one's got that name, but it's stupid. <sighs> I'm done yelling at clouds. I'm not done yelling at the snow and ice, though. So that will close out episode 71. Again, sorry for the delay on this episode. Next week, we won't be yelling at clouds. We're actually... I decided we're going to do an episode that I'm thankful for... Fill in the blank. 
if you want to get your answers in, that's cool. I'd be I'd be down with that. Say what we're thankful for. I got I got a few things to be thankful for. Of course, we'll get you week thirteen football scores. Three more weeks of football. That's it. High school football. I mean, sorry. We'll also try to start giving you college basketball scores. Raiders had a nice win against Toledo. Bounce back from that bad loss at Murray State. Raiders start off well with seven nothing the lead, and then Murray State kind of just took over. Raiders had a good start to the second half, and then here come the Racers again. That's a good straw. That's a good solid Murray State club. I think it's going to be a good year for college basketball in the area. Again, if you want basketball scores, let me know. If you don't, let me know as well. I might stick to college until you know playoffs because there's so many teams. Go out and support local sports. That will do it. Episode 71 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And before I sign off, if I don't get the next episode out by Thursday, which I should, happy Thanksgiving and be safe out there. Talk to you next week. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W Mowen, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.